0: Franchising is the most misunderstood and most overlooked form of entrepreneurship. We're here to educate you and help you find the entrepreneur within. Franchising is not all about the
1: French fries. We find that individuals who are exploring business ownership tend to have a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about the franchise industry. So what we want to do is help prospective business owners make confident and educated decisions before moving forward or not moving forward with a business. Welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Sarah Wasco and this is my colleague Roxanne Rapsky. And part of the purpose of our show is to bring you education about uh, opportunities in entrepreneurship. Most of our guests are involved in franchising in some way. However, today we are bringing you a guest that is not involved in franchising. Uh, His name is Nathan Beal. And Nathan and I met a few months ago and I was really just extremely impressed with what he shared with me and how his business and his work in entrepreneurship has evolved for him at, at a very young age. And I felt like he would be a valuable guest to share with you today because he is representative of many of the clients that Roxanne and I are starting to see lately. It used to be that uh, the majority of our clients were exiting corporate America in some way and exploring entrepreneurship as a new career or a new path. And we're seeing more individuals wanting to explore entrepreneurship at a young age. So... Uh, without further ado, Nathan, welcome to our show today. Um, you know, you started running a company at the age of 23. Mm-hmm. So, tell us
2: more. It was the biggest nightmare I've ever been through. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a learning. Tell us
1: how you really feel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was a learning curve. You know, when I came in, I was bottom of the barrel, just a salesman. And, you know, through authenticity and just working with, you know, people in the company and, you know, I guess you, uh, you keep those that cut your checks close instead of everybody's going out getting, you know, wasted and drinking cause they're making some money in sales. And I stuck to the guys that, you know, were the paycheck that wrote the paychecks. And so, um, you know, there, everybody, I guess there's that saying, you got to fake it till you make it, um, but I didn't really do that. It's just, you know, I was just being myself and just showed respect to those people that they didn't get from other pe- other employees and managers kind of helped me grow.
0: So what kind of business so, was this first business? It
2: was so actually uh, my very first business was I started making websites and so this was whenever websites were like really taken off, and
1: and this was when you were in college, this is that correct? Yep, that was okay, when I was and that in was school. Little and extra just money, just right after
2: school. Yep, and just kind of did it on the side. And I was like, oh wow, this is kind of cool. I met a guy through Northwestern Mutual. He was leaving. He was the IT guy. We we started shooting it, you know, shooting it together. And we were like, hey, uh, you want to help me make some websites? And then I was like, I'm better at the sales side of the things than development. And as you know, websites now you. The formulas change, and I yeah. didn't want to keep up with it. So he did most of the work, and we did that for a little bit, and then went into property management and needed help. I was running some properties. Uh, okay, for wait, the, so
0: are you, are you still in college at this point?
2: So no, no, this is okay. post-college. Okay. And you know, I worked for the Hatcher family in Little Rock, Arkansas, and had an amazing time, and then they started growing so fast I needed help. And I was like, listen, like, I need help. They didn't want to hire, so I was like, okay, so what's the next steps? I said, help me find somewhere I can grow, find a company that will hire me. And they introduced me to the Landers family. So um, I got hired on by uh, their CEO at the time, or I guess COO, and started at the bottom in sales and then just kind of worked my way up.
1: So tell us – about your time there and some of the things that kind of happened that led you into basically running that company?
2: So when I came in, I started in sales, um, went to management, and their inventory was like a nightmare. And being detail-oriented, I was like, okay, I'm going to help with inventory. We, we ran some audits. Then that turned into, okay, well, the COO was like, hey, listen, I'm going to need you to work late. I'm like, okay, whatever you want. And that turned into
0: okay. Wait, hold on. Is this still property management or is this a different company? This is a pawn shop.
2: Sorry, this is a pawn shop. Yeah, this is a pawn shop corporation called IPON Arkansas Incorporated. Okay, sorry to like jump all across the board here.
1: Well, no, but it's explaining that at a very young age you'd already kind of had three businesses essentially: the property management and the website company, and now you're working your way up.
2: Yeah, yeah. So kind of diving in, getting good experience, and you know, working those 80-hour work weeks, you know, and people are like, hey, listen, this, like, this kid, he's got good work ethic. Now, what separates those that have, like, good work ethic was just being authentic and being, I guess you would say, honest 100% of the time, showing, you know, authenticity with the owner. And with the pawn shop, when I was there, that was the learning curve by saying, hey, listen, I'll stay late and I'll run the audits for inventory, so we fixed the inventory. Then we were like, hey, well, we're expanding. We're going to be opening up another store. You know, what's that going to take? You know, so working late, helping with logos, I helped with their marketing. It was more of a facilitator than just kind of like management. I wasn't just a store manager. So I kind of helped with a little bit of everything. I helped with sales training. And then, you know, like my dad, you know, gave me some things that we kind of incorporated into that as well. And so I just kind of grew up, um, or I guess you... Growth of the company starting at the bottom in a very short time short period of time it was expedited and
0: i interrupted you you were telling a story so you fixed inventory but i think more happened at this company right
2: yeah so fixed inventory um and then we started working with some consultants a really amazing group out of florida that works with pawn shops and they're like hey listen we need to dive in deeper um we need you guys to like do way more audits because like your numbers are off and so you know, we dove in and turns out, you know, we ran an audit on jewelry and that jewelry audit brought a lot of things to, in, into play that were, I guess, falling in the cracks over the last two or three years and which we couldn't catch because we didn't have the inventory system. We didn't have the pawn shop that cooperated with our security. Needless to say, let's say I spent probably 70 hours a week I was entering on a numeric keypad every piece of jewelry. I weighed every like every ring, every piece of scrap jewelry. And then when you do, like in pawn shops, when they buy your gold, they send it off. Well, if there's diamonds in that scrap, or so they'll send it off to a refinery. They'll melt down the gold. They'll send you the diamonds back. Mm. Well, nobody's ever done an inventory off of those diamonds whenever mm. they came back. And so I did an inventory, and we were missing, let's just say – thousands of dollars of diamonds and, you know, come to find out that was a COO that was um, taking those whenever they came back. Wow. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a pretty yeah. big um, endeavor for somebody that's right out of college and being involved in something that serious.
2: It was, uh, let's let's just say you lost a lot of sleep over it because I was like, what do I do? But, you know, that's whenever, you know, having just you know, 100% authenticity, I went to the owner, and I was like, hey, man, listen, this is what's going on. And that's when he was like, okay, well, it's time to nut up or shut up, because you're the only person that knows how we run it. I wrote the handbook for the company, <laughs> didn't even know what a handbook was, and basically just kind of expanded on that, and I took over, you know, pretty much the whole bit of management, I guess you'd say, as a COO, uh, when I was about 23. Wow so
1: that's impressive so what happened after that you're running a company at 23 obviously you're no longer there so tell us what um so
2: um just kind of left that obviously the goal for opening the pawn shops company um for the owner was to say hey listen i'm going to sell this um everything he touched turns to gold very very um entrepreneurial spirit um that's steve landers jr i learned a lot from him he's been a great mentor of my life and so moving forward, he was like, Hey, listen, I'm opening a new car dealership and I want you to come help me. Cause you did a really good job with the pawn shops, like you're loyal, you know, come come work for me. I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm not gonna be in car sales. Like, okay, all right, I'll figure it out. Like, even though that their family has a history of being the number one car, they're like the souls of the North Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri. Like, they're they know what they're doing. So they got it down. So I'm like, okay. So worked at the cowboy uh, dealerships and was framed myself as the cowboy guy, <laughs> and a lot of people still know me as that. I just don't have a beard or a mustache anymore. The
1: cowboy guy, I'll yeah. remember that.
2: Yeah, uh, there's. I think people still follow that Facebook page. I haven't touched it in like two years, but uh, so did that. And then, you know, I was in a small town. Arkansas, you know, family from all over the United States, born and raised from the East Coast to the West Coast, settled in Texas. They're like, you need to get out of Arkansas. And Dallas-Fort Worth has a lot to offer. So I started back up my marketing business, uh, doing websites, social media, kind of making ends meet. I knew if I took a step back, it'd be a step forward if I came to DFW, which uh, I wouldn't be here if I wouldn't have done that. But then again, I think it was one of the best moves I ever made. So I came down to DFW. Moved down here, got with a guy. We started. I uh, partnered with him. It's called Lift Marketing Agency in Fort Worth, and we kind of were taken off. Then COVID hit, and it's a scary situation. I know everybody's been in that. So uh, d- did that, and then was like, okay, well, my uncle's in insurance. I'm gonna sell out my portion. Like, what's next? And got an insurance, and then that was a complete bust. And you know, got filled with a bunch of unfilled, you know, promises and no training. So that was one thing. That's one thing that that's the most expensive part of owning a business is training. Mm -hmm. And if you can't offer that, you're setting people up for failure. And so, you know, I don't think it was necessarily failure. We were actually, I would say probably one of the top benefits brokers in North Texas just in like two years. And
0: so that so, was also a startup when
2: you went there. Uh, it was it was from a different. I didn't have any portion or equity in the company, um, but it was called Buffer Insurance in South Lake, and that's and actually Sarah and I connected during that um, transition into where I'm in in tech sales now. So now I'm with Memory Blue. So kind of a bunch of changes in a very short period of time. But I think once you find that niche, you know where you want to be as an entrepreneur. It's like, hey, listen, I want to be able to make money. And, you know, also own a business on the side as well, too. For those that are like 28 years old, you know, they're trying to figure out what they want to do. And part of that is... You know, guys and girls that come in and they're they're switching jobs. If you look at like 10 or 15 years ago, people didn't switch jobs every other two or three years. They went into a company and they were there for five, 10, 15, Mm -hmm. 20, 30 years, or they never even made another change out of college. It's not the way that things happen nowadays with the opportunities. I mean, look at tech sales. Well, tech sales wasn't any, wasn't even a bat in somebody's eye 20 years ago.
1: That's so true. Nope. There's not that long, we talk about this all the all time, time, longevity, no. that long-term commitment with employers anymore. You've mentioned um, mentorship mm-hmm. and some people that really gave you some sound advice. Um, one of those is your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that he's really uh, given you some advice that's, Stood with you, still stands with you today. Share oh, yeah. with us some of that. It gives me,
2: it gives me goosebumps. I don't know if you can see them. Aww. I've got goosebumps. Yeah. So my dad was like the definition of a hustler, and he was a guy that was a little backstory. I, he would tell us, well, "I couldn't afford anything because we didn't grow up any money, and all I ate was chicken and green beans through college." Which
1: <laughs> that's is pretty good. That's pretty better true because that's all he did.
2: He was huge. You, all he did was work out and eat chicken. So. Uh, <laughs> And uh he's he's still we call him the beast, all my friends call him the beast till to this day. But it's awesome. He's a guy that um, you know, understood that nothing is given to you mm-hmm. and nothing's free. And, you know, I look up to him and throughout you know, it was really hard because my, my parents divorced when I was a baby and you know, I've got an amazing step my stepmom and dad are both, um, even my stepmom is just the definition of a hustler. She ran her own business. She had her own restaurant, you know, franchise, and, you know, she worked, you know, 80-hour weeks, even as the owner being 40-something years old. She didn't need to get married, you know, like, but my, that, I think that's one thing. They both work hard, and they both have similar morals and values, and so my dad really uh, put it in perspective for me when I got in sales, and he was, you know, he was like, hey, man, you know, if you know, being average is one thing, but, you know, nothing's free. I mean, nothing's handed over. So he, he was definitely a mentor that kind of helped me, uh, get the spark, I guess you'd say. And, you know, I think that's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how else to really sum it up, but he gave me a lot of advice, a lot of, um, quotes, quotes are, my dad's a Texas, Texas boy. So you know, he's got those all Southern quotes that a lot of people don't really understand, you know? <laughs> Do and, you have a
1: favorite one?
2: Oh, man. Um, Put you on the spot here. Oh, oh, here you go. So six Ps. Do you know the six Ps? Ps. No. Nope. Um, I, I, I hope I don't get in trouble. So proper preparation prevents piss poor performance.
0: Oh. Okay. Now, there's other variations
2: ah. of that somebody saw. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, one thing I remember my dad going into some of his salespeople, uh, he ran a... Ran a trucking company and then got into sales and was like, "I'm not going to be in management anymore." And to this day, I think he's one of the top salesmen in the trucking industry, even at 65. Oh, oh. Man, he's getting old, no offense. <laughs> um, you so, so easy. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so I remember him going up to the board and he'll draw a line. Who write the six P's on the board, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, If you're following these, then I'll draw a line, and here's my expectations, and here's your expectations. And if you're following the six P's, then you're going to be above the line. And he goes, And the line is where averages people are. And so that's whenever I was like, ooh, that's really good. But then again, people don't realize they have to like continuously feed their brain, feed their, you know, feed the mindset of like going back to those sayings that really made sense because, you know, even. You know, my generation is not like that. There's no more grit. I mean, there's it's very hard and it's hard to find because that's what I find now. I'm looking for tech people that, you know, young you know, grad, college graduates, even people with experience that have the drive to sell tech. It's not easy. Mm. So,
0: nothing's one. easy. No, no, nothing is easy. Sales nothing is, definitely is free. Not easy. Nothing is yeah. easy. Yeah. No. So, what would you tell someone that's coming out of college now that, Wants to be a business owner someday. What what kind of advice do you think you could give
2: them? So there's a. I would say one thing I've done is, first off, you have to have mentors. So if you don't have mentors, and okay, let's just get this out of the way. If if you're out of college and you're going out and you're drinking every single weekend and you're hanging out with people that are toxic. And one thing my dad said, hey, the five people you hang out around the most, you become. Mm-hmm. If you're hanging out and those people are getting DWI's and going to parties and, you know, music festivals every weekend, you're probably not going to be an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. I'm
2: sorry. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. Now, if you want to separate yourself from the crowd and you're like, "Hey, listen, I'm now I don't use my example because it's not the healthiest way, but you know, you're going to cigar lounges and you're hanging out with guys that are 55 years old to, you know, 80 or you're in whiskey groups, that's not that's what I did. It worked for me. But you know, if you surround yourself with people that one are motivated and going in the same direction as you, and if you have mentors, you have to have mentors. Because if you don't have mentors, then who are you looking up to? Okay. What examples are being set in front of you? So that's that's be that's good advice. I would say.
1: I say I think I that's think excellent so. advice. Yeah, excellent advice. Um, so you've you've done surrounded yourself with people um, that have been those mentors, and that was one of the things that did stand out to me mm-hmm. when I met you was you sharing about being on the golf course and kind of the cigar lounges and things mm-hmm. like that, which most people in their 20s don't necessarily mm. think about doing. So did somebody advise you to do that, or was that just an idea you had on your own? <laughs> oh, I'm just curious. Hey,
2: sorry, Dad, if, if you see this, but... <laughs> My dad gave me my first cigar when I was probably 14, Okay. and he didn't know, right? And so he was like, no, 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 your mother's going to kill me, <laughs> and uh, that was that mistake turned out to be one of the greatest networking pieces that I've ever used. Now, I'm not saying advising anybody to go out and smoke cigars, because it's not meant for everybody, but the millionaires, billionaires that I've sat next to. And then you can have a guy that throws trash for a living and you can smoke a cigar and you have one thing in common and that's that you both smoke cigars. So you can carry a conversation with a guy that throws trash for a living and then you can carry a conversation with a guy that owns half of the city. And there's, there's no,
0: who cares, Mm
2: -hmm. who cares what you do, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're doing one, there's one, that one similarity that brought you to that spot. So, um, yeah, um, cigars are are good. No offense. To, I know Joe Rogan likes smoking cigars. A lot of <laughs> so fun, My too. son
0: watches Joe Rogan.
2: Um, so you know, between that and the whiskey groups, you know, getting in, coming to South Lake was a really great opportunity. You know, it's a hard uh, it's a hard city to break into, and it's very tight knit. And I will say that there's been a lot of people that have tried and failed, and there's been a lot of people that have came in showed, like I said, authenticity you know, loyalty to the city and got in the community. And, you know, one of those things, I one guy, I met a lawyer, uh, Ryan Peabody, and was like, hey, man, we've got a whiskey group. You want to come join us? I'm like, sweet. Count me in. I love whiskey. So, you know, it's nothing crazy. It's just a bunch of guys that, you know, get together, you know, find one thing in a similarity. That's we all love whiskey. And that turned into one group, into two whiskey groups, into three whiskey groups, so a Christian cigar group, you know, and so um, I'm 20 years younger other than Ryan, I guess you'd say about 20 years younger than every person in that group.
0: You know, that ties into something that I tell every, every one of my candidates. And I always say that being in business for yourself is a lot like being a politician. You need to be out shaking hands and kissing babies. So you're not shaking hands and kissing babies. You're smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. But <laughs> the point is that People want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And you are getting to know these people because you're out and about in the community. And that's the first step to trust to trusting them, liking them, or liking them and trusting them. So that's important for every single person that wants to be in business. The networking piece really is key. I think that can't be stated how important that
1: is. And it's a big adjustment for people that have been in an office working on a task, especially, no offense because I'm married to one, but engineers and CPAs and kind of the you know IT people that tend to be more technical and working on projects and assignments that really have not had the need to be out doing those things in the community, that can be a big adjustment for people. And so I just was super impressed that you had started that at such a young age mm-hmm. and figured that out as a key element of entrepreneurship and creating your own path Um, and I just really felt like your um, advice and background would be helpful for others who also might want to pursue that I know you're a a book reader and have uh, some favorite books so for anybody that might be thinking about entrepreneurship or kind of doing something on their own do you have any books that you would recommend for them
2: that's a good question I would say, first, let's go to a classic, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, Great book. Take a lot of notes. Uh, It'll get you, ooh, um, I would say, yeah, take good notes, follow the book, but you got to read more than once. You've got to go back through and you've got to do it like a year later. To see what changes you've made, and actually, my the company that I'm working with just referenced that book, and I'm like, oh, I was like, I've read it multiple times. I was <laughs> like, and I'm still learning every time I read it. Um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius is a deep book. So if you're an analytical thinker, um, somebody that's in the you know that has a finance background or I guess accounting background, it'd be a really good book, but you definitely need to take notes throughout it. And you might have to Google some things because there's some words that I don't even know how to pronounce in there. Um, Not the most educated, but it it was, it was pretty deep. Um, One of the, one of the guys that mentored us uh, that was out of New York, he actually read that book. And the first day I met him, it was in his briefcase and I pulled it out and I'm like, I love this book. And then he and I just kicked it off after that. Um, Between that one, uh, you know, Good to Great by Jim Collins, yeah. uh, and then you have to read the sequel. I called it a sequel is How the Mighty Fall by Jim Collins. It's a okay. little tiny book, but those are three books that'll get you started. I would definitely recommend those three for sure.
0: Well, thanks for coming in and sharing your all of your experience oh, with us in such a short period of time. Yes. If someone wanted to find you or get a hold of you, how would they find
2: you? So well, I'm on Facebook. Okay, I'm on Instagram. And you only get to see the good stuff on Instagram because that's where everybody does. But okay. <laughs> um, they can give me a shout, and if you guys want to link that on there as well in my email, I'd lo- and I would love to reach out, have a phone call, cigar, or whiskey, if you any, any fans and uh, anybody not, just give me a shout.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you.
2: Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank Thanks you guys. for joining us. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for joining us today. If you would like to follow our podcast or speak to Sarah and I, you can find us on LinkedIn. Sarah Wasco and Roxanne Rapsky, or you can find us on our YouTube channel, FranNet of Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma. Thank you.